HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Now streaming from HRN, this is The Feed Feed. I'm Jay Cohen, Editorial Director of The Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source of what to cook, bake, and drink. Occasionally joined by our co-founders, Julie and Dan Resnick, we sit down with leaders and upstarts of the food media realm. So we often say that we're, as Feed Feed, answering this sort of age-old question, which is, what do we eat for fill-in-the-blank, breakfast, lunch, dinner? Our approach to doing so involves lifting up voices from culinary content creators all over the world, no matter how big or small their following is. This podcast takes the democratization of food media one step further by giving a behind-the-scenes look of the Epicurean magazines, websites, videos, and accounts you digest every day. We'll discuss everything from breaking into the industry, navigating social media. That's been my bigger social media thing is like, I think like I just get bored very quickly. And even when things are working really well, I'm like, everyone's doing this. I don't want to do this anymore. Building and growing community. People are like, why is it five E's? And I'm like, I don't know. When you say eat, how many E's does that feel like it sounds like? And that's why. No real good rhyme or reason to any of it, but that's also kind of been our style this whole time and producing content that resonates with young and old. You know, if someone doesn't like my writing or the photographs of my book or the design, that's subjective. But if I see that a recipe didn't work, that I really failed someone. So whether you want to know what goes into food styling a magazine cover, the process of getting a cookbook deal, understanding what the hell TikTok is, or grasping how a recipe can go viral. I mean, I guess the thing about going viral, too, is that um, then it becomes it's out there and and people start claiming it as their own. And that's happened a few times recently with that tart, which is sort of depressing. Mm, but... Drag them. <laughs> Name names. I'm not naming no. any names, but you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be covering it all. This is the Feed Feed Podcast. Subscribe to the Feed Feed wherever you get your podcasts. Life's a Banquet. It's a podcast about all the things that are edible, spreadable, and pourable with your host, Zara Tangora. And Nicole Bailey. Okay, good. 
good. I'm glad we got through that. Phew. I was just saying <laughs> good, that I did. Farewell. <laughs> and goodbye. <laughs> and you know what? That's all we have for this week. Nicole, now I just finished listening to our last week's episode uh, <laughs> on Kevin's <laughs> Kevin Costner. Kevin's Costner. On Kevin's Costner. It's a new resort in <laughs> Kevin's Costner. Uh, no, on Kevin Costner. And I realized that we left out one crucial question. What was it? What would you eat off of Kevin Costner's chest? Ew. Um, <laughs> something like not too sticky. <laughs> like a potato chip, I guess. Oh, something dry. Amanda, yeah. what would you? Amanda's our engineer. Do you have an answer? What would you eat off of Kevin Costner? Nothing. Just why is this even a question? <laughs> I, I think it's You're important. terrifying her. Listen, we're talking this about... NSFW. We're talking about Costner again this week. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We're not. We were talking about Kevin Costner. I think this is an important question. Now, I personally would rather eat something slippery and wet because then I could lick up the drops. Ew. Okay. What about sushi? No, I thought of that first, but... No. Imagine him covered up in sushi. I cannot. So much sushi you couldn't even see him. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. A sculpture of Kevin Costner made out of sushi. That would be amazing. Or even better, if he was rolled in like a sushi roll. (laughs) So like a giant wrapper of nori and lots of rice poking out. And he was the filling. That's disgusting (laughs) and humongous. Okay. Well, please write into the show, Mom, and let us know what you would like to eat off of Kevin Costner. We love your correspondence. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for your letters. Anyway, what what have you been doing this week? Um, This week, I chopped off the tiny tip of my finger. Ouch. Not really the tip, but I was working and was cutting limes and it was literally, I keep telling people, like a safety video. Like I turned my head to talk to someone and was like, and just like with the serrated knife, took off many layers. Yeah, you gotta be careful. They'll come right off. Yeah, this it's a serrated knife. Um, really gets deep in there. Do you think the serrated knife is the best tool for cutting limes? It's more. Yes. You do because it's, they're slippery. Okay. Well, and agree to disagree. Most bars have a serrated knife. Like a, them. I'm thinking like a big bread knife. No, it's a small little paring knife size. Oh, but it's okay. Serrated. But it's serrated. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well. Yeah, it's smaller than a bread knife. Fair enough. I'm picturing you cutting in line with a bread knife, and I wanted to say, well, you've only got yourself to blame. <laughs> I mean, I do. Things can only, that, that happened in a New York minute. You really got to be careful. Yes. I was just telling you on the way in that I was almost in a head-on collision last night. Then tell me again. <laughs> I was almost in a head-on collision last night. I narrowly escaped death with my cat-like reflexes. But it, in all seriousness, it did cause me to realize how quickly those things happen. It's really fucked up and awful. And if you're out there and you're listening and you're a driver, drive Smart. Don't drive like a fucking asshole. Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry and just like calm down. Don't go to bed angry. Don't go to, don't wake up angry. Don't go to the bathroom angry. Don't let the sun go down on me. (laughs) Don't let your sun go down on me. (laughs) I don't want him to. (laughs) Okay. Listen, this week um, I made some food, which was actually a big deal for me because I haven't really been in the mood to do that lately. Mm -hmm. And I had some friends over for dinner on both Sunday night and Monday night. Brad. were not invited. (laughs) Um, I know. What a bitch. (laughs) No, I had my cousin and his wife over on Sunday. 
and I made these delicious rice and beans. Mm-hmm. I made like this really nice stock out of. Oh, hey, Whoa. relax. I'm out of here. Calm down. I'm so angry. <laughs> That's Nicole leaving because she's so pissed. Uh-huh. Uh, I made these delicious rice and beans, and I made this like beautiful pork stock, and uh, then I made cooked the beans in it, and I cooked the rice in the stock, and I put it all together. I made some chicken franchise, which is like a lemon butter egg battered chicken breast. I know what that is. Oh, I'm maybe not. My mom doesn't. The only other listener just uh, thinking it's like her favorite food. She does know. Um, and then the next night I made some beef brejol and lasagna for Steven and Ryan Crossman. What's brejol? It's like a rolled beef and that you braise it <laughs> for a while. It's like porchetta, but for beef? But tiny. Oh, okay. Itsy bitsy, like individual portions. Got it, got it, yeah. got it. So it was really good and that felt nice. And uh, Why do Italians roll so much stuff? Oh, they love, they roll, if you can roll it, they can make it. Hmm. All right. Just look at what this person next to us is eating, a calzone. A stromboli is rolled. A yeah. rollantini. A cannoli, a calzone. Name everything that's rolled. A managot. What about that rolly dessert thing? Is that Italian? A rolly dessert? It's like a, a fruit roll-up? No. It's like a Yule log. I think that's actually like Norwegian or something. That's Italian. <clears throat> it, it is Italian? It's a called a Yule log. I put it in my face. No. Okay. Anyway, should we get into our topic? I guess. What? <laughs> you're a monster. You know that? <laughs> you're straight. You're a bat out of hell. You want to talk about what our topic is today, Nikki? Yes. So in continuing with topics that start with C or end with C in the case mm-hmm. of Kevin Costner. Um, the C sound was the, a letter of the alphabet that we're on right now. So <laughs> we're doing cults. Cults! Yeah. How terrifying. Not cults. No, not the Indiana cults. Not the baby cow. No, no. Or oh, horse. Baby horse. Some kind of tiny animal. Although my <laughs> story does have something to do with Indiana. Really? Mm-hmm. Sick. Yeah. Um, yes. So cults, not cults. Cults will be our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, I just kind of did a little research on eating and cults. And like, of yeah. course, it's not really something that's talked about necessarily unless it's the agent of death. Um, but <laughs> the, of course, it's like just along with everything else, a form, a way of controlling the members. Yeah. Um, so I got most of this information lifted like directly from this article called joining a cult might be bad for your diet by chloe Schildhouse. yep i used a i used her article too did you read the one yours is from vice yes yeah um hopefully i thought you were just doing the one cult so i'm not sure why you needed that article (laughs) because she wrote one that was just about the thing i'm doing for a different publication great but she mentioned her vice article she's a cult fan she loves cults um, so the first cult that we're going to talk about is California, or wait, it's called Synanon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Synanon. <laughs> Crazy cult. Um. Cinnabon, I think it's pronounced. Yes. Um, so they were in California. They originally were just a recovery center for alcoholics, and it was founded by this dude named Chuck Detterich. Um, in the seventies, it expanded. The seventies was a great time for cults. Great time, maybe the best time for cults in a history. Big, it was like serial killers and cults. Mm-hmm. Here we go. There was no law. Yeah, it was martial law. <laughs> <laughs> um, like my favorite movie, Purge. Um, in the seventies, it expanded to non-addicts. <laughs> Speaking of purge, um, they had purging exercises <laughs> to weed out people who were uncommitted. So basically you would be starving yourself and purging um, exercise-wise and food-wise. And if you couldn't hack it, they would kick you out. That's crazy. Um, They banned 
um, cigarettes, sugar, and they made members shave their heads. But, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> That's a common trope we see in yeah, I mean, cults, the head shaving. It makes it easier to keep everything clean, probably. Right, right. and for everyone to kind of be uniform in their look, which yes. I think is a, another core tenet of many yeah. cults. And I am fine with it because I look good with my head sh- shaved. So, yeah. like, for me, I'm like, no problem. Um, <laughs> the All of their food was donated by companies. So... What, however, they worked that out. Um, companies were donating food to them, and they so basically they subsisted on grape nuts, Uncle Sam cereal, and two tablespoons of bran per day. Oh man, that's not enough. I mean, it's a it's a lot of bran. At least they're fiber movement going. <laughs> well, I think the one thing about Synanon that I know is that they were had originally started as drug treatment, right? And like alcohol treatment, so yeah, kind of, right. So an alternative to AA, and so they got a lot of funding and like respect from even I like see. the government. So like before they realized that they had culted exactly, up, they were like, "Here, have some grape nuts." Right, like they, yeah. Before anyone knew that they were cult, they were like the government was giving them recognition. Hollywood was giving them recognition. They're like, "Hey, if you have a problem with drugs or alcohol, go to Synanon." But they were really operating as a cult. Cool. Yeah. Um, they owned cows and a facility that could make milk, like a creamery. It, oh, and it wow. still operates today, that facility. For the grape uh, nuts. But they made them all drink powdered milk because it was cheaper. Oh. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah. That's rude. I know. God. So anyway, Cinnanon. Cinnanon. Not to be confused with Cinnabon. Which is also has a cult-like following. <laughs> yes. That aroma is so pungent. <laughs> yeah. Enticing. They just pump it all through the mall. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Then there is the Unification Church, founded by the Reverend Sun Myung Moon in the 50s. Um, this is a little short one, but um, he would basically kind of encourage slash force people to fast for weeks at a time. And during his lectures, he would point at women who were overweight and be like, no one wants to marry a fat lady. Oh, my God. Yeah. What so a monster. He seems cool. Um, then there is The Source, which is founded by Jim Baker. Um, he was actually a board certified nutritionist and he helped pioneer healthy eating. Like that whole like crunchy granola seventies mm-hmm. thing that was happening. Um, he started the source restaurant in Los Angeles in the 1970s, which was known for serving what? vegetarian and locally sourced food. There's even, uh, it was very successful. Celebrities ate there and there's a cameo of that restaurant in Annie, Annie Hall. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Um, he also had 14 wives, so oh, well, who knows? We didn't. What you would know? you say? Was the 70s then, too? It, yes, it is yeah. definitely the 70s. Um, he was into discipline, though. So, like, he was into health, but he was also very much into discipline. So, at one point, he put members on a 30-day diet that consisted of only eggplant, filbert nuts, tomatoes, and alfalfa sprouts. So specific. I know. Lots of nightshades. Maybe he was trying to kill them that way. I know. It's interesting. Also, did you know that filbert nuts are hazelnuts? I did. I did not. I did, actually. Yeah. Um, well, I wonder why they don't call them filbert nuts more often. I, I think, think. I don't know. Filbert's a perfectly good name. It's a weird name. I mean, it's a weird name for a person. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a weird name for a nut? Is it any weirder than macadamia? I guess hazelnut, you already have nut in the words. You don't have to make a space. Right. Filbert. Nuts. Filbert nuts. Yeah, that doesn't... Doesn't doesn't, roll off the tongue. It certainly doesn't. It doesn't roll off the tongue like a round hazelnut. Yeah. Also, hazelnut is a great word to use in like Scrabble or something because of the H and the Z. So... Oh, yeah. They're helping people out. That's true. Um, This next cult is called the Disciples of Lord Jesus Christ. Oh. The founder, Rama Behera, imposed 
eating restrictions, so they wouldn't be allowed to eat for an entire week. And then they would binge on East Indian food. Oh, wow. And then the binging process would make people throw up. Oh, God. And then he would make them eat their vomit. Oh, I was just about to say, like, two sentences ago that this sounds like a cult for me. And then not, not so much with the vom. Mark, vom. why? Why? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. No. And <laughs> it's there we have it. It's unusual <laughs> to make someone eat their own vomit. And then you have to think why those people stay. I mean, that's a whole nother. Yeah. Well, that's the cult part. Yeah. It's the cult. It's the psychology. Um, then there are the breatharians. Mm, okay. They believe that you can replace physical food with air, light, and metaphysical nourishment. Oh, wow. The woman who's credited with making it a popular known movement in the U.S., uh, changed her name to Jazz Muheen, mm. but her real name was like Evelyn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, she claimed that she has lived years without food, but has had a couple of mouthfuls from time to time for what? taste, which is obviously a lie. Yeah, I mean, of course. Um, but many people have died trying to follow her. Oh my God. Thing, because you don't drink water either. That's crazy. And so you die of <clears throat> dehydration. That's insane. I was listening to a podcast. I forget which one, but that was about something really similar. I don't know. I don't remember which one, but it was about kind of like someone who encouraged that, but it was for healing reasons. And it was maybe in like the 20s or something. And they would go and like take the cure. Yes. But then they oh, and all they, starved to death. Yeah. The starving. That was on my favorite murder. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting one. Yeah. It was like, I mean, fasting is definitely something that happens in religious beliefs. Yeah. Um, uh, very common. But this lady's like, you don't need to drink water. Just metaphysically nourish yourself, and you'll be fine. You definitely need to drink water and also eat food. Yes. So all these people keep having seizures and dying. That's um, and then, this is an on-trend topic, the Nexium cult diet. Oh, I'm so interested. Um, this was also from a separate article in Vice where she was like, I follow the Nexium diet for a week or whatever. Oh, my God. Um, it's not that complicated, though. It's just okay. 800 calories a day. Oh, um, you had to write down every single thing that you eat and report it to like your sponsor person. Um, and if you cheated, you would be punished. In what way? Do you know? Well, so I listened to the podcast about Nexium, yeah. And so typically what they would do is give, you would give people collateral, like damaging information about you, mm-hmm. or you would give them like personal items that you like cared about. So like this one guy wanted to lose weight and he said that, they would, and he, but he also like his musician, so they were gonna take his guitar away wow. from him if he didn't follow the, God, his like, pledge to it's keep so losing weight. Dark. It's so sad and dark. Yeah, it's interesting. The cult is interesting. I think the thing that's interesting about it, I think in a lot of cults, is there are some elements of it that are helpful to people. Totally. I mean, well, because you have to establish the cult on some kind of. Yeah. On some kind of rewarding thing. There has to be a reason that people want to join this. It has to either be like, you know, that you're going to live after death. You figured out the secret to live longer or how you live after you die or that you get closer to God or you found some kind of better way. So it 100% has to be built on some kind of positive vibes. Yeah. And good intentions somewhere. Nexium is like all about like like helping, like self-help and like denying or like the the basis is like you are weak. And so... You are going to fail unless you have um, these other things that was going to like force you to keep going. Like you have to care enough to not be weak and fail at your goals. Right. And so they set it up so that you don't. And it's like interesting. It makes people feel very like 
disciplined and totally. focused and yeah which in some sense the core, the core tenant of that sounds enticing totally right um but it's also i was a little disappointed i didn't know much about the cult before i started listening to the podcast although i have a friend who's like sort of worked with one of the people in the cult i'll That's tell you wild. okay um but so Basically, it was disappointing to find out that the leader is just a typical freaking cult leader who just wanted to bang among like a million chicks and yeah. didn't respect women as his equals and kind of hated women a little bit. Um, yeah, as many of these pieces of shit. Yeah. Too. Um, so it's all very boring at the end. It's just some dude with a complex who wants to have sex with a bunch of different chicks who worship him all the time and control people's minds. Right, and they take it out on everyone else. It's really... Boring. It's, <laughs> cults. <laughs> we've learned this just in from the wires of the Associated Press. <laughs> cults are fucking boring. Um, no, and they're also really tragic and terrible for yeah, the people Yeah, I'm just more into the cults that, like, where the women get the big heads and they go crazy. Yeah, right. Like the, like, wild, wild country. Yeah, the uh, uh-huh. Rajneeshi. Uh-huh, um, yeah. Although, technically, she wasn't... She was, like, the... She was the second in She command. was, like, the power... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, she wore a power suit. And there's another cult with a woman leader, but I can't, and they, they murdered some people, but I can't remember... Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Listeners, look it up on your yeah, own time. Go on the internet. Figure it out. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with a really crazy, messed up story. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, very very, very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. And we're back. Oh, no. Oh, no. So much time has elapsed <laughs> since we took a break. Okay. Now, I know that we're going to have some laughs, but also I have to say that this story, in researching the story, it really made me upset in a way that went deeper than I thought it would. You know what I mean? I, For me, at least someone who listens to some of the worst stuff, reads books about the craziest crimes and murders and everything, that does not turn me... Not that I like it, but I'm, I can handle it. And so I guess I thought in reading about this cult that I would absorb it and be like, oh, that's terrible. But I was really bumming hard about it. I was surprised you didn't know all of that already because you're yeah, like for, a cult person. You know what? I'm like... You're like a I'm cult the, of personality. I'm on the fringe of cults. Like, I'm interested uh, in cults, but I'm not as interested in cults as some other aspects of true crime. Because sometimes it's a little too wacky for me, and I'm just like, I get turned off by the fact that how could all these people do this? You know, it's a little judgy. When in reality, when you really think about it, it actually makes perfect sense how, how people could do it. You can, when you start researching it, you look in, when you look into it, it, it all is actually very clear. And they target vulnerable people. Exactly. They target vulnerable people. They're extreme master manipulators. They're sociopaths. And they sociopaths. start slow. They yeah. start off and everything's chill. Right. And then they slowly break you down. Which is 100% what happened in this case, which is the very, very famous case of the People's Temple and the cult leader, Jim Jones, and the eventual mass murder, not mass suicide, that occurred at Jonestown. Um, okay. So I got all of my information from the following sources. The History Channel, an amazing four-part series on last podcast on the left, which was very funny and very serious and super informative. So we're copying that, but in a yes, shorter version. exactly. This is the last <laughs> podcast on the right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the History Channel, a documentary called Jonestown Massacre Paradise Lost, 
Um, the San Diego University website, jonestown.sd.su.edu, and an article <laughs> in Rolling Stone. I didn't know how else to say it, but I got a lot of info from there, so I had to, like, mention it. You don't have to say the entire website. And www.forward/sandiego.com. <laughs> um, okay, so Jim Jones, this is a very, very, very big topic, so I just want to preface this by saying, if you want to learn more about it, please reference any of these things that I just mentioned to for more in deal in detail information i would say that rolling stone article which i had yes. read was very informative and eye-opening super informative so i just want to give you a quick overview of jim jones um and like how this all got started so anyway he was born in indiana uh near indianapolis and he became kind of, during like his high school years, he was kind of like a really weird kid. He would wear his like Sunday best uh, to school all the time. He wouldn't talk to anyone unless they talked to him first. He was kind of torturing animals, doing a lot of like typical serial killer. yeah. Right. So he, he, was he abused? He had all the signs. He had like a wacky childhood, which like I can't really get into too much, but his mom was a very like inappropriate person who just kind of talked like really openly about sex in a way that wasn't comfortable. Mm. She just was like not a great mom and his dad wasn't great. He didn't have a great upbringing, but he was just from the get-go a manipulator and a weirdo. Kind of like uh, they were saying on last podcast on the left that they thought he seemed a lot like Jeffrey Dahmer, who would kind of just do anything for attention. Sure. Just to kind of be seen. So anyway, and by the 50s, when he's like in his mid-20s, um, <clears throat> he meets his wife, Marceline, and he starts kind of going around as like an kind of like a preacher. Do you ever see the movie with Steve Martin, Leap of Faith? Of course. Right. So like one of those kind of preachers and he's like going around town. Aluminum siding. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. That movie is absolutely incredible. I just watched it recently. Um, And so he's going around all over Indiana and he's kind of building his cred as like this preacher. Now he didn't really, he wasn't as a Methodist preacher. So he wasn't really super religious, although his wife Marceline was, and he, she became really upset when she found out that he wasn't really religious. He was really an atheist, but he used religion and the Methodist church as a way in to kind of be able to formulate his following. Sure. Right. So he, it is also worth mentioning that he was extremely, extremely radical about, um, integration and civil rights. So like pro pro. Okay. So he would go into all black neighborhoods and start preaching about equality. And he would, you know, many of the members of the people's temple were black. Right. It was always, uh, and you know, different articles and sources and podcasts that I listened to speculated whether or not this was legitimate and this was actually his belief, or he saw this as a way to kind of manipulate people further. I'd say number two. Right. So, Perhaps there was some shred of decency in him. No, not being from Indiana in the 50s. Right, exactly. So it's pretty weird. Also, he used to do weird things when he was a kid, like play. they would play Nazis versus um, U.S. soldiers, and he would always want to be the Nazi soldier. And so then all cool. of a sudden, he, right, he's a cool guy through and through. So anyway, um, he followed communist, socialist, and Marxist values, which socialist values and everyone being equal, he's very anti-capitalism, again, we're, we're with that. I think I can speak for you in saying that, you know, we align sometimes with different sure. socialist values and anti-capitalist values. Burn it down. Kill Bur- the rich. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bernie 2020. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's kind of where he was coming from, and that's how he used people to join him. Um, 
he moved the cult to Northern California in 1963. Bye, Indiana. Because it, there was an article talking about, the, obviously, nuclear war was a huge threat at that time, mm-hmm. and the safest places to be in the world were, like, Brazil, Northern California, Brazil, and South America. Why? I don't know why. I didn't have time to look. <laughs> okay. But North, I guess being in the middle of nowhere, I have no idea. However, hmm. in between this time, I forgot to mention maybe the most important part of the whole thing. He at, shot Kennedy. No. As he's becoming a Methodist preacher... And he's getting his whole routine together before he forms the entire People's Temple cult. He is a door-to-door salesman of spider monkeys. <laughs> oh, right. I knew that. <laughs> yes. And his first spider monkey sale that he ended up recruiting to his cult, who became a lifelong follower, was a woman whose previous spider monkey had hung itself. Yeah. And so she needed a new one. How does that happen? I think that she should take the message that the monkey was sending, not get another this monkey. This monkey hates living with you. <laughs> I mean, have you ever heard of a monkey committing suicide? Um, I don't know if he hung himself on purpose, but yeah, they can. Dogs throw themselves, you know, there's that horse in the movie The Rain that throws itself off the side of a ferry. Okay, fair enough. But <laughs> who's a spider monkey salesman? Where do you keep all of them? Isn't that the weirdest thing ever? I don't know. It sounds like a scam. It sounds... Absolutely insane. Although he delivered on his promise to give her the spider monkey. And the Are you meat. sure it's not sea monkeys? No, no. Spider monkeys. <laughs> that was a joke. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe he had, he probably had all kinds of monkeys. A variety of monkeys. Stuffed monkeys, chimpanzees. Um, I thought that was one of the weirdest things I've ever heard. Anyway, quits the monkey business. <laughs> I think the door-to-door salesman thing makes sense, though. That's basically one step sure. away from Fucking cult leader. Vacuum cleaners or mm-hmm. encyclopedias, not live animal monkeys. It's very weird. Also, I don't like monkeys, really. I'm not interested in them. I thought of a monkey living in my house is the fate worse than death. What about gorillas in the mist? I mean, that's fine. I'll look at them on TV, but I would never (laughs) want a monkey as a pet. Um, Okay, in 1975, Reverend Jim Jones, the religious cult leader and civil rights activist, hinted at things to come. Was he really a reverend? Like, he was ordained? Yes, he was. Quote, I love socialism, and I'm willing to die and bring it about. But if I did, I'd take a thousand with me. And later that year, he moves the People's Temple Church down to Guyana. But he already had a huge group of people at that point. Yeah. The the cult had been... He took the thousand followers that he had and then basically every single one of them moved with him. But they had a compound in California. Yes. And then the move to Guyana was based on the idea that they were going to like start over but also because the government was starting to investigate them, right? Yeah. They were get it was getting hot and plus he believed that Guyana was one of the safest places to be away from nuclear war I guess still even though it had this was 14 years later. 1978, actually, that they moved down there. Why is he worried about dying actually, no, in nuclear war? 1975. I don't know. He, I mean, why did he do anything? Why did he sell fucking spider monkeys? Um, okay. I know. After they moved down there in 75, uh, a couple years later, something absolutely horrible, awful happened. 909 people met their death as what's widely known as a mass suicide, but really it's a mass murder because most of these people, if not all of them, were either forced to drink this poison or administered it against their will or tricked and mind controlled into it. So really it's more accurate to look at it as a mass murder. Um, so this is how it all kind of goes down. It's really, really, really terrible. Um, okay. So basically this Senator, uh, this Congressman comes down, hang on one second. I have to meet my, okay. Uh, November 17th, 1978, U.S. Representative Leo Ryan of California traveled to Guyana along with media and crew and a handful of cult relatives to investigate the abuse allegations. So this guy, this Congressman Ryan, goes down. He checks everything out. Everyone has been prepped for weeks 
because they knew he was coming to say the exact right things. So Jim Jones and the different, you know, authority figures there would be like, when Congressman Ryan comes, this is what you say, blah, 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 blah. So he came came down. Mm-hmm. He looks at everything. He thinks it's all pretty copacetic. He's like, you have a great thing going here. It looks like everybody likes being here. Now, two guys got together and were like, we need to get the fuck out of here. This is really scary and sketchy. So they slip the congressman a note. Well, it wasn't just two guys. Like, it was a group of people. Right, but the two guys slip yeah. him the note. Yes. And they're like, yeah, there was a group of, like, eventually 14 people, I think, that wanted to leave. Um, so they slip the congressman a note, and it says, you know, please help us. We want to get out of here. Mm-hmm. So they organized to get 15 people out of there. And then as the congressman is leaving, he was going to stay behind and see if anyone else wanted to come. And as the, the thing is leaving, the truck is leaving to take people to the airport, or the airstrip, rather, um, to get them out of there. The congressman gets attacked, and he realizes that he also needs to get the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. So then they all go to the airport, 15 in total, and there's... So it's like an airstrip. It's an airstrip, right. Um, it's very, like, in the middle of the jungle, basically. Yeah. Uh, they go to the airstrip. There's two planes waiting for them, although they had to wait a little bit for the planes to actually come because there was, like, they needed an extra plane because there were so many people. So one of the people who jumps on is a fake defector, and mm-hmm. he has a gun. So they get they board the two different planes. The people on the first plane, a bunch of them get shot by this guy who jumped on the plane as a fake defector. And the people who are waiting for the second plane get shot at by a bunch of the Jonestown members who come up to the airport with, like, big, you know, guns. And they, like, sh- drive up. They drive like, up, yeah. yeah. Like a posse. Right. Like a bunch of them drive on a posse, and they kill a ton of people, including the, sen- uh, the congressman, Ryan. Yeah, it's so... That story is crazy because there's a woman who lived, but she pretended to be dead right. after they shot. She was shot. Right. Um, I think. But she was, like, pretending to be dead, and, like, they came over to kind of, like, nudge her body, and then she, they, she, like, played dead so they didn't kill her. But this is, like, how terrifying. It's it's incredibly terrifying. It's so. also, like, the only House of Representatives person who's ever been killed in the line of duty. Oh, I didn't realize that. I mean, I thought there couldn't be too many, but it's, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. So... Okay. Then they come back to Jonestown after they killed all those people, the thugs, and they go ahead and tell, and then Jim Jones tells all the followers to come meet, which is like 909 people, and he tells them to come, and that it's an emergency, and he says, we've killed the congressman, now basically we all have to die. (laughs) Which doesn't make any sense. And he has all these recordings, but basically he kept stopping the tape to make it sound like everybody was like really fine with it. Um, So... In all, again, 909 people die from drinking a mix of Kool-Aid. Uh, actually, it was grape-flavor-aid that was mixed with cyanide and some other sedatives. And they killed all of the children first. Uh, so the mothers basically would be you know, motivated to die because their children were dead. Anybody who didn't want to drink it, they all had guns pointed in them. Anyone who didn't want to drink it got injected with it. And they all died, except for two people one old man who didn't hear the <laughs> lucky old deaf man who didn't hear the alarms go off to congregate and this other woman who hid under the bed. And smart. Yeah, really smart. Um, and there was a bunch of other folks who had like left for the day uh, who like, started the morning at Jonestown but had like, gone out on different missions, including Jim Jones' old, uh, own son, mm-hmm. but left a couple days before to play a soccer match with a bunch of people um, in Georgetown. So the reason that I really wanted to talk about this now that this whole Jim Jones shot himself. and then Jim Jones he didn't even shoot him oh they said he might have shot himself then his son thinks that he was too weak to even shoot himself and he had someone, someone shoot, shoot him, him. Yeah. right and his wife died and everything so there's this 
common... Um, now, that's a very broad overview of what happened. Yes. Uh, again, we only have you know a limited amount of time here. But the reason I really want to talk about this in general is because the common phrase or saying... Uh, Oh, they're really drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Like, referring to somebody, obviously, like, oh, you went to this job, and now you, like, are really all team, whatever, Starbucks. You're really drinking the Kool-Aid. But it's really fucked up because these people didn't really want to drink it. I know. I mean, I spent most of my life thinking that they had all committed group suicide. Yeah. But the truth is that they did not. Right. And they were forced to do that. And especially the mothers who gave it to their own children. Yeah. It's very sad. It's very sad. Um, also, it wasn't Kool-Aid. It was Flavor-Aid. Yeah, but it doesn't have the same... It I mean, maybe the Kool-Aid, Maid. Maybe big Kool-Aid. <laughs> Kool-Aid's that. like... Uh, I'm sorry. That was actually Kool-Aid. They want to be known for something. Other well, than maybe Flavor-Aid went out of business because of this. And oh, that's a good point. Kool-Aid took over. Right. I'm watching a lot of Mad Men right now, so I'm Oh, like, my God. I love Mad Men. <laughs> um, and then while the People's Temple was actually open in operation, there was a couple of things about what they would eat. Um, apparently, they would try to entice people with something called cake diplomacy, where they would give cakes to non-members and be like, here, take... This was Jim Jones's big thing. Like, here, take a cake. You know, we're going to, like... We're nice and we're normal. And if you have a cake, you know, even if they don't... He would say, like, even if they don't believe us or want to join us, you know, who doesn't like a cake? And it turns out some people didn't like it because some people would do work for them and be like, I don't want a fucking cake. Also, I would never take a cake from a stranger. Of course not. That's the whole point of this podcast. Don't take <laughs> cake from strangers ever. <laughs> Only take cake from your close friends and family. And at restaurants is fine, too, for the most part. They would eat french fries covered in chocolate sauce. Mm, okay. And when they eventually got down to Jonestown, their diet really kind of, like, petered out, and they had to kind of beg for, like, rotten food. Yeah, because they didn't know what they were doing. They, they had didn't no know idea how what they were doing. farm, and they're stupid. The and soil the was bad. was too hot, and yeah. they were like, this blows. Yeah, it was a really awful awful, terrible thing. There's nothing about this story to make a joke about, really, except for the spider monkey element of it. Mm-hmm. Which he must have been comfortable once he got down to Jonestown with the abundance of spider monkeys that were just for free. I also didn't realize for many years that it was in Guyana. I thought it was in the United States. I did too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. And I did not know it was almost a thousand people. I know. I had no idea. Think, And when you look at the pictures, I mean, unless you have a strong kind of, if that stuff doesn't bother you, if it does, I wouldn't recommend looking at them. But just looking at the pictures, aerial views of Jonestown, the sheer mass of dead bodies is one of the most fucking crazy things I've ever seen in my life. It's horrifying. And like, because it's so hot, they started decaying like immediately. Right. And it was like, the smell was overpowering and it was... Insane. I think that it's, um, you know, I love a conspiracy theory, but I think it's really interesting that, so in the Rolling Stone article, the reporter goes back to the hotel and there are people from the cult that had lived that were not there. Yeah. And a couple of them had a suitcase full of money. Oh, yeah. Well, they had the suitcase full of money because they were instructed by Jim Jones to bring it to the, to donate it to the uh, Communist Party in Russia. But they were like, but there was some people that say that they knew what was going to happen oh, and really? they took the money and ran. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. In all, I think it was like that, whatever money was like on hand, like a couple hundred thousand and there was like $7.4 million mm-hmm. in bank accounts. Plus they had all the members sign over their like life savings and yep. stuff to the communist party. It's really a nightmare of a story. Um, and then, you know, I read a little bit about how he actually fed people when they were in the U S and apparently it was like a lot of 
bland white foods. <laughs> he tried a vegetarian diet for a while and then realized it was kind of like too time consuming. He really needed people to be focusing on other things. So they never ate great. But if you may take one thing away from this, listeners, think twice before you say they really drank the Kool-Aid next time because it's really cruel and messed up and it's a terrible terrible story a third of the people who i don't know if i already said this a third of the people who died in jonestown were children yeah they're under 18 it's very sad yeah it's um, one of the worst one i also worst read that ever. they would pretend when people would come to visit they would pretend to eat very well oh yeah and they write letters about how well they were eating and they but they would eat like gruel all the time yeah and always like, gruel and like gravy with tiny bits of meat yeah, in it exactly little bits of meat and gravy and like peanut butter and banana sandwiches yeah and spider monkey meat but they also had fried plantain and cheese sandwiches. Oh, that's delicious. That's great. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like that? And then there was another guy who was talking about, he had left the cult, and he was talking about how Jim Jones was always like, you can't eat um, you can't eat cheese and coffee together because it like causes cancer. Huh. And then the guy, after he got out of the cult and Jim Jones died, he was like, every time I eat cheese and coffee together, I say, fuck you, motherfucker. It's like, why are you eating so much cheese and coffee? It's a weird combination. It's very odd. Um, okay, well, that is very depressing, but very interesting. And prompts me to ask you, for the chef recommends of this week, what would your last meal be if you were in a, a terrible, terrible cult? My last meal would be Filbert nuts. Oh, <laughs> that's a goddamn lie. <laughs> no, it's not. It's the truth. It would be Filbert nuts? Yeah. A pile of Filberts. I happen to don't think that you really like Filbert nuts all that much. Sure I do. You do? Yeah. What kind of nut don't you like? Uh, Brazil nut, Okay, I, I thought there was like some nut you didn't like. I don't know. Peanuts. I grew up hating them, but... But now you've accepted them as your lord and savior. Yes. Okay, perfect. Okay, mine would be oysters, bread and butter, eggplant parm, a giant salad, and a poisonous bowl of spaghetti meatballs, followed by mint chip ice cream before I die. Wow, you're going to be barfing all that up and your spasms of death. Yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) fuck it. Buy a cadillas, bro. Um, (laughs) Okay, what are the top three cults that you would have joined oh i'm so glad you asked um i had to look these cults up because i did not know what cult i would want to be in uh-huh. so i like googled like fun cults i did too <laughs> I um did the same thing. well we're lame um <laughs> it's lame that you're listening to two of the exact same person talk to each other lo siento i can't believe you're still awake um i chose the freedomites because they care about three things. Nudity, communal living, and anarchy. And they're known for their nude public demonstrations, which I think is hilarious. Because oh. if you think about a bunch of dudes with their dicks and balls swinging around, like doing <laughs> a, like a big deal When aren't I thinking about that? Can I tell you something else that's funny? That's also one that I picked. I know. <laughs> um, then I picked the Church of God with Science Following. Um, because they're just good old-fashioned snake handlers. And I think that that's cool. Yeah. Very entertaining. Very slippery. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, well, I'd probably join next game if I got brainwashed into it. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Those are solid top so three. hot people. I'm a hot person. <laughs> you're perfect. In fact, I'm shocked you're not already in it. Um, <laughs> Maybe my, I am. My number three is Scientology because... Whoa, really? One, well, because I think that if I had joined Scientology, it would mean that I had become extremely rich and famous on the level of Tom Cruise and Will Smith and who cares maybe I'll find out something about aliens that I didn't know before and Mm -hmm. also that movie The Master is great R.I.P. Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix yes was he in that Mm -hmm. he was L. Ron Hubbard no Philip Seymour Hoffman was 
I've never seen it. Oh, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman was, and Joaquin Phoenix was also in it. Okay. That's not important. Scientology is my number three. Freedomites also is mine for the same dick swinging, nudity, anarchy, hell raising reasons that you picked it. And my number one, can you guess it? No. The Manson family. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. Now, hear me out here. Listen, I don't condone the Manson family murders, obviously. It's a really fucking tragic story, and it's terrible what happened. However, I did just watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, seven times over the past year, and uh, I really liked it, and there's something about the crusty-footed, dusty, cute, hippie costumes. I don't know. Seems like it could have been fun for a while. I would have liked to be in it maybe for, like, five minutes, and then peace out, kind of like... Meet Brad Pitt. Go with him when he leaves. Sure. Okay. So, where are you judging me? I just think that <laughs> that movie depiction of it is exactly what happened. Yes. Including the ending. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, okay, so those are my top three cults. That being said, I'm already starting my own cult, so I can't be convinced to be in anyone else's. <laughs> the core tenets are, of it are uh, spider monkey love, lasagna eating, and... Uh, no drinking. Okay. Well, okay. I'm not joining. Um, this was a great episode. Yeah. Well, don't you want to hear about the cult that I'm starting? Oh, yeah. It's of course. Called, it's called Live, Laugh, Love. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's all there is to it, baby. You got to get, we hand out embroidered, embroidered hand towels and. Let's <laughs> say it's wine o'clock. No, they say Live, Laugh, Love. Okay. Um,. Yeah, so just check out my website for more details, and we're going to have a a meeting in a restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Uh Amazing. Okay, cool. Well, oh, we didn't even talk at all about MLMs, which are a cult of their own, but you can listen to the Dream Podcast for that. Yes, you can. Like all the stuff we have on here, derivative of other things that... <laughs> Life's Banquet, the world's most original podcast coming to you from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Hasta la pasta, bitches. Bye! Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.